0: Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency and Money Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Tony Guerra, pharmacist and publisher, bringing you help succeeding in your career, health, and wealth before, during, and after residency. You can sign up for the email list at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com to get your free LOI template or get editing help working one-on-one with me at residency.teachable.com. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about NAPLEX and MPJE. Uh, again, when you take these tests, you never get that warm fuzzy feeling like, "Oh, I crushed it. I'm good." And there's a reason for that. You're you're not required to to, you know, get 100% on it, and in many ways you're you're being compared to your peers, uh, other people that are graduating. Now, the big issue we have is is the range when we talk about the NAPLEX. So while, you know, 4 out of 5 will pass on the first try, the range goes all the way from 21% up to almost 100% depending on the school. And this is the one thing you don't realize while you're in pharmacy school, but you realize once you're competing nationally. And the analogy I've always used is um, when I used to coach rec soccer, my kids would do well and, and they would win games and maybe they'd lose some sometimes, um, but they felt like they were superstars and that's because they were in rec. Uh, they hadn't had any much experience with soccer and, and so forth. But then when you get into the academy programs, the select programs and things like that, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going up against certain people and then you know the scores are maybe a little bit more even maybe you're losing quite a bit or you go to a, a tournament out of state and you just you know you, you lose all your games and it's just crushing and you're like whoa what, what just happened i thought i was pretty good at soccer and i thought i was at the select level and you find out that there are other people at that level too so the way to find out how much you really need to study and figure out like where you're really at is to look at the NAPLEX scores for your school and that really tells you where you are in terms of preparation for the NAPLEX now some schools their preparation is more clinical that is their appies are very strong and and, uh, the clinical work that the students do there uh, really prepares them other schools, they have just great students coming in still, and uh, uh, they really haven't had to to take many students. They they didn't want to create those, you know, almost hundred percent acceptance rates, um, where the acceptance rate now, you know, is uh, in the eighties, uh, just to get into pharmacy school. So that's not the people that turned away. That's almost nine out of ten people get into pharmacy school when they try eight and a half, really, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow to say are you kidding me this is you know what the class before me did that only you know three out of four got in or you know the the most tragic is the you know school that had only one out of five students uh, passing the NAPLEX and what it does is it gives you some perspective on where your preparation stands Uh, because the NAPLEX is a national test everybody gets reasonably equal questions Uh, it's completely different when we're going to get to mpje and talk a little bit about that so the question is what can you do about it well the idea here is what is it that you can do to make sure that when you get there on test day you can have the very best chance of passing the test and that really comes down to three things The first thing, of course, is the experience that you've had. So much easier to recall a patient who's had a condition and something that you've done uh, than it is to record a lecture or recall a lecture. So the first kind of part of it is, all right, where have I seen this before? And when you're studying, I think the first thing that a lot of people do with those RX prep books, or at least when they were working with physical books, uh, is that they would actually chop them up and they might take five or six chapters and put it into a little booklet. And so what they was, were doing was, you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Uh, and that overwhelm caused a lot of problems because they're like, oh my gosh, um, I'm, as soon as I learn something, I forget it again. And I think that that area of parsing it uh, really, really, really helps out. So the first thing you wanna do is kind of parse it, see where your strengths are, See where your weaknesses are and maybe where you, you know, you feel pretty competent. Okay, that's the first part of it. The second is what kind of a test taker are you? I'm a very fast test taker. So I actually have to slow myself down to make sure that I didn't get tricked. Like as soon as I see an answer, I'm like, oh, that's it. When there might be two answers that have the very same first couple words and then there's a change. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe that's not it. And so what I like to do is, I like to approach every question is, how are they trying to trick me? If I were making this test and I wanted to, to make sure that somebody knew something, what, what could they do uh, to trick me here? And a lot of times that makes it so clear that, oh, you know what? They were trying to get me to pick this one. But I know that under these circumstances, it's that one. <clears throat> so that's kind of the second thing, making sure that while you're in the test, you are reasonably aware of your time and that you are not trying to sprint a marathon because that anxiety, that initial heart rate, if you can get through that part, you're well. Um, there was a, a movie one of my students talked about, Hidalgo, where the they're all on horses and they're just running out of there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, this is a long race we're actually gonna be doing a lot of trotting and walking more than running okay so uh, that's the second part uh, the third part is is that I hate the expression you're studying for the NAPLEX you should be teaching the NAPLEX if you look at the data it is absolutely clear that when you try to take a lecture in or something like that instead of teaching your retention is way lower. When people say, I never really learned to become a pharmacist until I became a pharmacist, what they're really saying is that's when I started teaching people, you know, training technicians, training other pharmacists that might work with you or under you uh, and those types of things. So don't try to like, okay, I'm going to try to remember all this stuff from this chapter, and then I'm going to do it from this chapter whether the person is real whether the person is a dog or a cat or another pet what you should be doing is trying to explain it to someone because only when you try to explain it and they don't get it is can you become clear where oh wait a minute that's not right that's not how my thinking should be so when you think of like diuretics you start with the glomerulus the high pressure like that's really weird There's an afferent and efferent arteriole. It should shouldn't it go arteriole, then capillary bed, then venule? That's weird. And then you kind of think, oh well, it's a high pressure system, so that osmotic, you know, mannitol and the, the acetazolamide that are a lot closer to the glomerulus are going to have a ton of more diuresis. And that's gonna be more than the furosemide, which is at the ascending loop. And that's gonna be more than the hydrochlorothiazide, which is at the distal convoluted tubule. And that's gonna be more than the spironolactone and implorinone that's gonna be at the collecting duct. And so you start asking yourself questions like, how can I explain this? How can I teach this to somebody? Um, I think that those three things, things—you know, checking the NAPLEX score, seeing where you're at, then making sure that you know your timing is where it needs to be that you're not sprinting the marathon and, and getting a bunch wrong in the beginning and then you're teaching the naplex rather than trying to just learn it whether the person is there or not you know working in groups is great okay so one thing that I did was that the audiobook everybody likes Are the Memorizing Pharmacology and Memorizing Pharmacology Mnemonics. It's on uh, MemorizingPharm.com or you can go to Amazon. Um, Those books are me trying to figure out how I can teach pharmacology to students who have never taken chemistry. They're like, well, I took chemistry. I don't need that. Well, what happened was when I did that is that I put it in an order where I made these videos that they, they were kind of the first start of my YouTube channel. And I said, wow, you know, I, I can probably actually do this from memory. And what happened was is that I did all 200, top 200 drugs from memory in seven videos, you know. And I remember the, the camera guy came over, he's like, well, where's your script? I'm like, I don't need a script, I know them all. It's like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I know them all like in order, I can do it in order. And he's like, are you like one of those card counting people or, you know, memory champions or whatever? I was like, no, I just put them in the order that makes it easiest to remember. And then I put them in pairs and I put them in order. Like um, I remember that calcium carbonate and magnesium hydroxide are both antacids. Those are the first antacid you would use. Okay. And then I would go to H2 blockers because they have a number two in them, but also they were the next that kind of came out. And, you know, famotidine and then cimetidine has all those side effects or interactions. And then we'd go to proton pump inhibitor, right? And then we'd have omeprazole and esomeprazole. And why is there an S there? And just being very curious about it and kind of going through. And so what I did with the memorizing pharmacology relaxed approach was I went through all of those drugs, put them in pairs, put them in order to make it the easiest to remember. And that made it a lot easier for my students to get ready for pharmacology class, which for many of them was a very scary thing. And then I had people say, well, can you talk more about the side effects and the things that you need to remember? And that became memorizing pharmacology mnemonics. So it's not as much that you didn't you weren't taught the thing in the NAPLEX at one time. It's that to remember it, you have to put it in an order and then you have to do it in such a way that you're teaching it to other people. So I love people that study in classrooms and work with a whiteboard as they're teaching each other. I think that's one of the best ways to do it, okay? So check your NAPLEX scores. Make sure you're your timing, you're not going out too fast. Um, teach the NAPLEX. Um, if you wanna to listen to these books, again, the Audible gives them to you free. Um, if, and then, you know, after, 25 or 30 days. If you're not happy with them, I think you just say, hey, you know, I'm good. I don't want the membership. Uh, No, thanks. So that's the the book and and the the newer one um, and the the old one. Some people like the old one. Some people like the new narrator. Uh, Either way, I think they're fine. But the new one has 350 drugs instead of 200. Then we go to the MPJE. Now, remember from statistics, these are independent events. So that you pass the NAPLEX does not really say I'm going to pass the MPJE. The other half of it is that some schools that have very high NAPLEX scores in the 90s can have relatively low NAPLEX scores in the 60s and 70s and you'd be very surprised at the at how low the scores can go and they can go in the 40s and 50s. This is for a couple of reasons. First and the big concern for someone who listens to this channel the residency channel is that when you are going to a different state there are idiosyncrasies and what I have heard over and over again is that people don't fail the MPJE by a lot they fail by a little and those that little is because there are one or two three things that maybe are just different in that state than your state and you went with what you knew from your state. And to be fair, you had no idea where you were gonna go. Well, maybe you had an idea, 50% of residents uh, go into their home state, uh, but maybe you didn't know where you were gonna go. And so those schools that have really, really kind of far reaching you know, uh, areas that they go into with MPJE, well, uh, their scores can be low. The other thing the MPJE scores tell you is how hard the states are that are reasonably around a certain school. I know that my alma mater, Maryland, that test is really hard and it makes so little sense. So what you do is for the MPJE, you look at all of the colleges um, that are are in that state. Okay, so for Maryland, I would just go down and go, okay, well, it's probably gonna be university of, And I see that University of Maryland is 76%, so three out of four. I see Eastern Shores, 39% first time pass rate. And then I go to um, Notre Dame, uh, which I think is like 50, um, 48%. That really isn't a good reflection of the quality of the students. That's a reflection of the difficulty of the MPJE to study for. So when you are thinking about going to Maryland to work, that is a, an MPJE you really got to you know, rock out um, because it's, it's just a really hard test. Um, and then you go you know, to like an Ohio state with a 95% pass rate and you're like, well, um, a bunch of them do go to residency, but is Ohio just a reasonably easier state? And you see Ohio Northern has an 87%. So 95, 87 percent, Ohio probably has a very reasonable test environment for the MPJE. Now, if you're going to the VA and you are doing a residency in the VA, there is no reason not to first get an Idaho license and even take a chance because the Idaho State, Idaho State does not require an MPJE. And to work in the VA, you just need to be able to work anywhere in the country. So I know you say, oh, I was a really good student. I'm just going to take the MPJE in Maryland. I went to Maryland and I'll be fine. I cannot tell you, this is the last piece of this thing, is that the big reason that a lot of that anxiety comes to residency students is that one, they've got all these other things going on, the move and and all of that. But two, when you are in a residency you've already accepted a position and they already planned for you to pass when you don't pass now you've got to have a conversation with your rpd now you are the person that all the other residents like oh great bob didn't pass so now we've got to pick up all of this extra work because bob didn't pass right and then you've got to go take it again and this is where it gets even more difficult you've now got to take it again while you're doing a residency while you have all of this um, passive aggressiveness coming towards you so I I just don't want you to be penny wise pound foolish on this one okay my my audiobook you can get for free right for 20 whatever days and cancel it if you want to cancel it but you know keep it if you want to keep it Um, but MPJE um, 75 bucks. I know that uh, I, I trust Brandon and I trust TLDR Pharmacy. Um, they have some great cheat sheets. They keep them up to date every year. I don't get any money from this, um, but uh, they are state-specific. Don't go penny-wise pound-foolish. Get the MPJE cheat sheet. Get whatever resources you can get from the state itself. Get with people that are already studying for it for that state and make sure that you pass that so again when it comes to naplex it's really kind of like how rigorous was your school how strong were the other students in your school are you able to you know under pressure slow down read the whole question make sure you get it as right as you can and then when you're studying focus on teaching it more like a counseling exercise than you are trying to, you know, inhale this stuff. Put the, you know, Rx prep under your pillow for the MPJE. It's a lot more about the state that people go to from your school. And it you might be a great student, but you're going into a hard state. Make sure you are using a state specific cheat sheet so that when you're looking at it, you know what you're doing. The other thing I recommend is sometimes, especially if you were like at Maryland, DC, Virginia, I liked to have multiple cheat sheets so that I can compare and contrast. And that stayed in my brain a lot better. So I graduated from Maryland. I actually got an Arizona license. But what I did was when I went to get my Maryland license, moved back for a while, I just looked at them side by side. I was like, oh, this is different. Oh, this is the same this is different and I passed by like one point like I was (laughs) so relieved but it was that little bit just a little extra making sure that I was comparing it to what I had known in Arizona uh, that was that made the difference and then when I moved from Maryland to Iowa same thing I'm like okay well what's different in iowa than it is in maryland and Iowa's a very progressive state um, and has a lot of things that you can do um, so uh, that's it we're kind of at 20 minutes but um, please please take the naplex very seriously take the mpje seriously i know many people like to wait till the end for the mpje um, it's really awkward when you're the one that doesn't pass and and there will be multiple uh, people usually uh, that don't pass But it just makes your life so much easier residency stressful enough um, You just want to make sure that you pass so if you got questions Tony the pharmacist at gmail.com and I wish you a very um, Happy Memorial Day weekend. I'll be doing Murph on Monday. So a mile hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, another mile. Uh, and very thankful for the ability to do it. And uh, I think I'm going to be doing it with my daughter. So really cool. All right. Have a good holiday weekend. This has been the Pharmacy Residency and Money Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You might want to check out our available residency audiobooks at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com forward slash books, or you can get your first book free if you've never been on Audible before. You can work one-on-one with me to get a better residency that will better suit your career, health, and wealth at residency.teachable.com. Feel free to send an invite to Tony Farm D on LinkedIn or email me at TonyThepharmacist at gmail.com. Music was by policy.